Let's open our Bibles. We're in Joshua chapter 2. Uh, we are continuing our message from last week. Uh, this is part 2 of the portrait of a prostitute. Now this morning, we are again returning to this rather peculiar portrait that hangs in the great hall of faith of Hebrews chapter 11. And, and briefly, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, we read, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Now, at first blush, it seems as if this portrait is a little out of place. For in the great hall of faith, is not where one expects to find the portrait of a prostitute. And nor on the surface does it seem like hiding the spies is all that great an act of faith. We need to be very careful to suspend all judgment of a person's worth or value before God or of the importance of a person's service to God. I'm going to say that again. We need to be so careful to suspend all judgment of a person's worth or value before God or of the importance of a person's service to God. For it is not before us that a person stands or falls. Romans chapter 14 verse 4 reminds us, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. You see, we're all just servants, surrounded by servants. And it is not for us to judge another servant. We are all servants of the master. So whether a person is a prostitute or a prisoner, a politician or a police officer, a preacher or a pediatrician, a pauper or a prince, whether they went to Princeton or prison, whether they are pagan or Protestant, a procrastinator or a planner, puny or powerful, pure or putrid. You like what I did with all those P's right there? It is not up to us to decide a person's value or worth, nor is it up to us to decide what acts of service or of faith are more significant than any other. So some may see Rahab, just another Canaanite prostitute, while God sees Rahab the prostitute, righteous and faithful. Some may see just an insignificant hiding of the spies. God sees a big, bodacious act of faith. You know, we've been so conditioned to see the insignificance in others. We have also been conditioned to see the insignificance in ourselves. So often, we're prone to look at ourselves in the mirror of our life and simply say, well, I'm just a fill-in-the-blank. Or the only thing I've ever done for God is this. Please don't lose this. What we see and what God sees, it's not the same thing. What we see and what God sees, it is not the same thing. And so this morning, we are going to recap where we were last week. Our first point from last week was, by faith, Rahab hid the spies. By faith, Rahab hid the spies. We saw that in Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, as we all remember, Joshua had sent ahead the two spies across the Jordan River on a reconnaissance mission into the Promised Land. 
Specifically, their role was to spy out the city of Jericho. And so the spies came into the city and found lodging at the home of Rahab, the prostitute. And so what appears to be a chance encounter is really caught up within the sovereignty and will of God. You see, God destined these two Israelite spies to meet Rahab. And God destined Rahab to meet these two Israelite spies. You know what? You may feel like your life right now is just a mixture of chance and coincidences and choices and things beyond control. And maybe sprinkled in there is just a little bit of luck. But that is not the case. Now, we as believers are all caught up in the ultimate and sovereign will and plan of God. We, in fact, are called and set apart for His good purposes in this life. God is always working our salvation. God is always working to bring about His perfect will and all for our ultimate good. Now, the king of Jericho was, was informed pretty quickly that the spies had arrived into the city and then sent some of his men to Rahab's house to take the spies into custody. Rahab courageously, and like I already said, in a big and bold, bodacious act of faith, chose to hide the spies when it would have been so easy to give them up, to cover up their whereabouts, and then send the king's men on a fool's errand in search of the spies in the wrong direction. Spies who were all the while safely tucked under stacks of flax on her roof. roof. Which led to our second point last week is by faith, Rahab intercedes for her and her family. By faith, Rahab intercedes for her and her family. We saw this in verses 8 through 13. In an exchange that is rather remarkable, for it is the longest uninterrupted discourse of a woman found anywhere in the scriptures. In that discourse, Rahab expressed incredible faith in the Lord, and through incredible spiritual insight, rightly discerned that her city and all the people in it were soon to be devoted to destruction by the armies of Israel through the power of God. And you know what? She had the faith to ask to be saved. Do you? Do you have the faith to ask to be saved? Knowing that as the scriptures record, certain death is, well, it's certain that every single one of us will die. And that apart from the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ, the only option is eternal death. And all that stands between us, between us and eternal life, is the faith to ask to be saved. Do you have the faith to ask to be saved? Rahab had that faith. And not only did she have the faith to ask to be saved, she had the faith to ask for her entire family's salvation. How about you? Do you have the faith to ask God to save your families? To save your mom and dad, brothers and sisters and extended family? 
Do you have the faith to ask God to save your spouse or your children, your friends, your co-workers, or your neighbors? You know, family, all we can do is ask. But what if the answer is, when we ask, what if the answer is yes? You see, Rahab had the faith to ask, not only for herself, but salvation for her entire family. And the answer she received was the resounding yes. In response to what Rahab had spoken to the spies, they relayed that not only would her and her family be saved, but they gave to her a very profound sign. A sign, in fact, that has from the earliest preaching in the church been seen as symbolic of Jesus' shed blood on the cross. You see, as Rahab was preparing to lower the spies to the ground through her window, the spies provided Rahab a sure sign that her and her family would be saved. That sure sign was the scarlet cord, which leads to our first point of this morning. By faith, Rahab trusts in that sure sign. Rahab trusts and that sure sign. I want you to look in your Bibles, Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 18. The spies relayed to Rahab, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father and mother, your brothers, and all of your father's household. Then if anyone goes outside the doors of the house into the street— his blood shall be on his own head, and we shall be guiltless. But if a hand is laid on anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head. You see what they do here? They strike an oath of blood, evidenced and pictured and the sure sign of the scarlet cord. Any person who by faith and I do not want us to miss this. It was going to take real faith. Real faith to tie that scarlet cord in the window. Real faith to believe and trust that what the spies had just relayed was truth. That the scarlet cord would really set them apart from those who were destined for death. It would take real faith for Rahab's family to believe what Rahab was about to tell them that if they were to be saved, they would have to come into her home under the cover of the cord. Rahab literally had to go to her family members and tell them that there was no other way for them to be saved. That if they were to be saved by faith, they would have to place their lives under the cover of that scarlet cord. You know what Rahab had? She had the faith to believe. And her faith was immediately evidenced in action. In Joshua chapter 2, verse 21, we read this, and she said, according to your words, so be it. I believe, says Rahab. Then she sent them away, and they departed, and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. She does not wait. There is no hesitation that cord was in her window from the moment she lowered the spies down to the ground to the very moment that the armies of Israel approached. I can imagine that she immediately got to work 
preparing her family for the soon siege that was literally just around the corner. This reads so incredibly similar to what we find in Exodus chapter 12 in the final plague on Egypt. In Exodus 12, verses 21 through 23, we read of Moses giving clear instructions to the Israelites as to how they were going to be set apart from the people of Egypt as certain death was approaching. The Israelites were to slaughter a lamb, the Passover lamb, and to take some of its blood and apply it to the doorframe of their homes. They were, in fact, to stay under the cover of that blood until morning. That was one quarantine not a single person in Israel was willing to break. For as the death angel passed over the land, the angel would see the blood and pass over. Aha! That's where we get the name Passover. The death angel would pass over the home, and all who were under the cover of the blood would be saved. The sure sign. In Exodus chapter 12, it was the blood of the Passover lamb. In Joshua chapter 2, it was the sure sign of the scarlet cord. And for us as believers today, it is the sure sign of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that when certain death comes, all who by faith place themselves under the sure sign of the shed blood of Jesus Christ will be saved from eternal death and judgment. Do not miss this, my friend. Place yourself under the sure sign of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Don't try to live outside of it. Don't try to wander away from it. Because you know what? There is nothing but certain death outside of it. Now as we turn in our Bibles to the right, we come to the chapter. Joshua chapter 6. The siege of Jericho has come. Which leads to our second point of this morning— through faith, Rahab and her family are saved. Through faith, Rahab and her family are saved. By the time we get to Joshua chapter 6, Israel has crossed the Jordan River. They have been consecrated, and they are now prepared for battle. As they approach the city of Jericho and the plains of the Jordan Valley, they are given a rather strange series of commands. In fact, we read in Joshua 6, verses 3 through 5, these odd, these peculiar orders from their commander-in-chief, Joshua. He relays this to the, the army of Israel. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus you shall do for six days. Verse 4. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people will shout a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall flat. And you shall go in and take the city. 
I mean, the instructions are very clear, but they are strange. They were to circle the city once a day for six days. But then on the seventh day, they were to circle the city seven times. And on the seventh lap, the priest would blow the ram's horns, and all the people would yell, and the great and fortified wall of the city was going to fall flat. <laughs> the wall was going to come down by the power of God through faith, singing, and music. I mean, we could all stop right, right here in this chapter, and we could talk about faith that is on display in the children of Israel to follow through with this plan, which they end up doing. But for the sake of our study this morning, they are playing more of the supporting role to the faith that is on display in the life of Rahab. For six days, they circled the city. I can imagine with each lap, Joshua pointing up to the window of Rahab, telling them, men, everything in the city, it is devoted to destruction except for all who are in that house. Everyone who is in the house marked by the scarlet cord shall be saved. For six days, Rahab watched breathlessly as Israel made laps. She did not know the plan. So hour by hour and day by day, she waited and watched as it unfolded. I think many of us can relate to that feeling to some extent. It feels like right now, it's like hour by hour and day by day, we are just waiting for things to unfold. But then came the seventh day. Lap after lap. The excitement building in the camp and in the army of Israel while the fear and the dread began to peak in the city of Jericho and in the hearts of the people. Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 through 17. The time had come. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of the day and they marched around the city in the same manner seven times. Verse 16. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Take the city. Everything that is in the city, the Lord will give you. Verse 17. And the city and all that was within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in the house shall live because she hid the messengers whom the Lord had sent. Everything, everything was to be devoted to destruction. This is so reminiscent about what we read in the New Testament when it relates to the day of the Lord that there will be a time when the Lord returns and there will be a separation of humanity. As Jesus talked about the separating of the wheat and the tares, it will be the separating of the believer from the unbeliever. The believer in Christ being saved, the unbeliever facing the judgment that is to come. Everything else in Rahab's city was destined for destruction. But through faith, 
Rahab and her family are to be saved. They shout. The wall fell. The Israelites advanced. Everything in the city was to be completely destroyed. But Joshua sent the two spies who Rahab had previously hidden on a very special mission. Joshua relays to the spies, go into Rahab's home and go gather everyone with her and bring them out of the city. Joshua chapter 6, verse 25. But to the two men who had spied out the land, Joshua said, go into the prostitute's house and bring out from there the woman and all who belong to her as you swore to her. You will keep your oath. Verse 23. So the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and mother and brothers and all who belonged to her and brought out all her relatives and put them outside the camp of Israel. I can imagine the spies ran into Rahab's home. Rahab, it's us. It's time to go. Gather up everybody. Let's get out of the city. The scriptures tell us that the spies take her entire family, Rahab and her, her entire father's household, and move them outside of the camp. That was for a time, for they were ceremonially unclean, but there was a point where they were brought back in to the camp, and they joined God's people. Verse 24. And they burned the city with fire, everything in it. Verse 25. But... Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her. The text says Joshua saved alive, but we can put in there truly God saved alive. And I love this little note that is inserted by whoever compiled this account. They write this, and she has lived in Israel to this day. The writer's like, oh yeah, Rahab, you know, her, her house is right down the road. We can go visit her. She still lives in the land of Israel, in the promised land. And you know why she does? Because she, by faith, hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Through faith, Rahab and her entire family was saved. And what a powerful picture this is true for us as well. Through faith, we are saved. The scriptures record that it is by grace, through faith, that we are all saved. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. For by grace, that is what motivated it all. That unmerited favor the grace of God, you have been saved. It is by grace you've been saved through faith. You see, grace is the motivation. Faith is the means. And we are saved from death. The scripture goes on to say, and it is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God that if any of us are saved, if any of us have a right relationship with him, it is something that he has given us. And it is something that we have received by faith. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. No one can strut before God. No one can walk into God's presence and be like, hey, I sure bet you're, you're glad to have me. You're pretty lucky to have me. No, there's no strutting before the Lord. Rahab did not strut. She did not declare, hey, look what I did. She was able to declare, look what God has done. 
And look what he did for my entire family. You know, if we're going to boast in anything, let us boast in the Lord. Look at what God has done through Jesus Christ. Quite the portrait, isn't it? Well, as we move on from Rahab's portrait, I want to close with a few applications this morning. First, I want to encourage you, don't forget the peas. <laughs> we need to be so incredibly careful to suspend all judgment of a person's worth or value before God or of the importance of a person's service to God. It's not before us that a person stands or falls. We're not the judge. Romans chapter 14 verse 4 tells us this, Again, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? We are all the Lord's servants. We have no right to pass judgment on the Lord's servants. It is before his own master that he stands or falls. We, we, we can't miss this. Because family, right now we are in a city, uh, or in a season, we're passing judgment on others. It's like our new drug of choice. We have no right to judge another's servant, for it is before the Lord they stand or fall. So whether the person is a prostitute or a prisoner, a politician or a police officer, a preacher or a pediatrician, a pauper or a prince, whether they went to Princeton or prison, whether they are pagan or Protestant, a procrastinator or a planner, puny or powerful, pure or putrid. What we see and what God sees, it's not the same thing. Family, we need to have our prescriptions adjusted to reality. None of us is spiritually superior, superior to any other person. Anything that I have spiritually or in this life or anything that you have spiritually in this life, it's been given. It's a gift from God. It's very easy to start thinking of ourselves as something real fancy when compared to another person's tarnished life or reputation. And so I want to encourage you this week, before we fire off another Facebook response, before we fire off that email or text message criticizing that person, before we talk about a person behind their backs, before we look down our noses at that brainless nitwit of a human being whose only sin is simply having a differing opinion than our own, before we criticize another person for their sins or we pull out their failings or past mistakes. You know, some of us, when we get upset, we don't get hysterical, we get historical. And we like to bring up other people's past issues and mistakes. We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful when we're bringing up somebody else's past failings and sins, especially the sins that they've long since been forgiven of by God, because there is one who loves to bring up our past mistakes. It's the enemy of the Christian's soul. Let us not take up his ministry. On the surface, we might have thought to ourselves, no way that God can use a prostitute. Keep in mind, God works salvation through that prostitute. 
God worked salvation for that prostitute and her entire family. And check this out. God worked salvation through that prostitute for the entire world. Matthew chapter 1 verse 5 reminds us of this. That God's sovereign plan is so much greater than we could ever have imagined. For the scarlet thread of Jesus Christ passes right through Rahab. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, we find out that, that Rahab married a salmon. I mean, I'm not like a fish salmon, but like the guy's name. His name was Salmon. Rahab and Salmon, they had Boaz, who in the book of Ruth is the kinsman redeemer who marries the young Moabitess named Ruth. They together have Obed. Obed then has Jesse. Then along comes Jesse's youngest son, that ruddy shepherd boy destined to be king, David, whose portrait we are going to look at, start to look at next week. But down through the genealogy all the way to Jesus, and through faith in Jesus, the world is saved. So in effect, God worked salvation, our salvation, through Rahab. We need not minimize a single act of service to God because, family, God chooses some rather peculiar people to do some remarkable and powerful things. God chooses and uses some really peculiar people to do some rather remarkable and powerful things to which we all reply, amen. Second application this morning. Placing ourselves under the scarlet cord. In Exodus 12, it was the blood of the Passover lamb. In Joshua chapter 2, it was the scarlet cord. And today, it is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That is where we find our sure salvation as Romans chapter 5 verse 9 records, since therefore we have now been justified. That word means ransomed. Since we've been purchased from death through his blood, how much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God that is to come? We have been saved through faith in Jesus' shed blood on the cross for our sins. Through faith, we are forgiven. That means in the court of God, all charges have been dropped. We may face a little hell in this life, but there's a whole lot of heaven waiting for us in the next. So the question I have for you, if you have not placed yourself under the shed blood of Jesus Christ by faith, what are you doing out there? There is nothing but certain death outside of there. Come into the family. Place yourself under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Which leads to our third and final point. It is truly through faith we are saved. Through faith Rahab believed. Through faith she and her family placed themselves under the scarlet cord. And through faith Rahab and her family were saved. It is through faith that we are saved, saved from the wrath to come and the certain death that is looming. 
Ephesians chapter 2, again, verses 8 through 9. For it is by grace you've been saved, not of works. Through faith, this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, so that no one may boast. For it is by grace, that is what motivated it. You've been saved through faith. That is the means of our salvation. And this isn't something you've done. It's something you receive. So the question I have for you this morning is this. Do you have the faith to be saved? Do you have the faith to ask? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your word. Just as your word declares, you are the word. You are the embodiment of it. You are the fulfillment of it. And every piece, every chapter, every verse reveals more of who you are. This morning we are so grateful for the testimony of the scarlet cord because it points us to you, Jesus. Just as the shed blood in Exodus 12, it points us to you, Jesus. You are our Passover lamb. You are our scarlet cord. You are the one who covers our life so that the death angel passes over, so that instead of certain death, we have certain life, eternal life. If you this morning desire to place yourself under the sure sign of the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the quietness of your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I believe. Ask him. Say, Lord, please save me. Can you please come into my life? If that is truly your heart's prayer, welcome to the family of God. We love you, Jesus. It's your precious name we pray. Amen.